0: John, I'm done with a pandemic and I'm done with telehealth too. I'm ready to go in and see my doctor again.
1: Telehealth's not done with you. The best is yet to come.
0: Welcome to Care Talk, America's best home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of Carecentrics. John. I would say telehealth is so over. The pandemic is over, and telehealth is going to be all done, except for a couple of you know, Gen Z and millennials who are going to not hear that the the party's over and they are actually going to go back to the doctor's office.
1: David, I think you're you're missing yet another new tech wave. I mean, you're just you're just you're sitting there and you're on your bicycle. You're going to miss the the evolution of the car here, buddy. No, I'm on my horseless carriage, John. Come on, I'm I'm with the times now. No, I, I think I, I disagree. I, I I think that there's no underestimating how the empire of old healthcare is likely to snap back and grab more share and try to solicit all of that activity that got shut down during the pandemic. But let's let's be honest. Uh, people are more comfortable on uh, uh, using a telephone, using a video chat. I mean, I I I think. I mean, David, I mean, this is this is a um, this is like the dawn of the internet. You know what? Where there were these explosions of use in things like eBay and Amazon, that were just a taste of what was coming. And I, I think that when people, we just had a big market test where we went from tiny utilization of telehealth to augment healthcare to people like eighty percent of all all visits became tele and video visits. I don't think we're going back. I mean, I, I, I think there's going to be a pushback from old legacy healthcare institutions. But I, th- I think that I think the plates have moved and they're still moving. What? How do you even support the notion that we're going to go backwards versus forwards once people? I mean, that all of the reviews are the people really enjoyed telehealth.
0: John, I'm just taking a look at the data. You know, so we went from about eighty uh, percent, as you said, about it, about, it had been about two percent before the pandemic. Then it went to eighty percent by April of 2020, and now we're back to more like. Uh, twenty percent again, which granted is ten times you know what it was before, but it's at a it's at a low level. It may decline further. what you're also seeing, John, is an attack on some telehealth, so I saw you know they allowed interstate uh, commerce in, in telehealth, but now I'm seeing pushback. There's hundreds of bills being filed in state legislatures around the in the country, and a number of them are about restricting uh interstate telehealth. For example, I saw the Betty Ford Foundation. those are good folks right in Minnesota, they're providing telehealth who would know that program. Well, people who need it, and uh, they're providing uh, you know behavioral health support in among other places Montana, which is great. People can get access. But now, what in Montana they're saying, no, 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 that's bad because they're skimming all the private pay patients, and the Medicaid patients are left with with nobody. So, John, it's not quite as many um, bills as for the voter suppression laws, but sort of same idea, same order of magnitude.
1: But I think, David, if you look back over the arc of you know healthcare innovation and reform whether it's it's around um, you know what what doctors could do outside of the hospital versus inside the hospital, the way pharmac- the way hospitals fought that, the way farm pharma- individual pharmacies fought chains and then fought mail order. Once the consumer gets a taste of what they want and it solves a problem of cost, convenience, and access, I don't think we're going back. I mean there there'll definitely be a pushback by the old legacy, the conservative legacy players who are worried about their, Franchise, but there's just way too much in healthcare, which costs too much and does too little. And there's an enormous amount of friction, which get which is you know, transportation, setting up a meeting, sitting and waiting, hurry up and wait in the healthcare system. A lot of which is solved with telehealth and virtual health and a digital first front door. I I I think we are there's de- we're definitely in a in a in a reaction to uh, the, the 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 big market test of telehealth but but the market exploded, tested telehealth, and uh, it didn't
0: break it. It actually made it a lot more accessible. I, I think we're just in the first few stages. So John, let's look at this through the lens of the Amazon versus Walmart rivalry, right? You know, they consider themselves, certainly Walmart considers Amazon to be its biggest rival. And I think Amazon feels similarly, at least uh, in, in many areas of commerce. Now, a year ago, I actually would have said, Walmart is actually going to win this game. They're going to knock uh, all the primary care practices out of business, the way they knocked all the main street mom and pop stores out of business. And they'll be the ones that are dealing with primary care and a little bit and beyond that, including behavioral, including dental, and they'll do it in their big stores, like the ones they opened in Georgia uh, to start with. And they're going to roll that out now, you know, a year later, I don't know. I think people are still going into Amazon. They may have a chance, but they that, sorry, still going into Walmart, but they have pulled back. They pulled back. And meanwhile, Amazon's coming to the fore. Does Amazon have now a better chance because of their ability to use telehealth? I don't know, what do you think? Well, I
1: think that I think that um well first of all I think Amazon's focused on selling more pharmacy through its um through its online, yeah, you know, through the, its digital store. And telehealth you, you know you need a doctor's script to get um uh, you know a a a drug. And so I think the move to virtual care is at least partially to really launch their pharmacy product which i think will be very successful um, although it doesn't necessarily crowd out other digital pharmacies like capsule or good rx and uh, but it but it will definitely ca- put pressure on the walgreens and the independent pharmacists and the cvs's of the world but beyond that you know amazon has a history of testing all kinds of things you know the only external board that uh, jeff bezos was on was drugstore.com and it was a flop. Uh, Amazon has invested in um, on-site clinic businesses. They were flops. Um, Amazon uh, you know, has invented some different uh, technologies, some of its e-readers. Like Amazon's willing to take a risk and fail. Um, and I, I'm not sure that I would worry about their virtual care model competing with traditional care. I think others will come into virtual care. Because they've what they've shown a desire to do is extend their reach into the home, but really for to drive more retail sales. So David, you know, you're gonna you're gonna um, you you're, you're 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 gonna hear more from them via Alexa, kind of accelerating your industrial strength purchases of Malamars and that kind of stuff. And I think that the 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 groceries are, are going to be tied into to pharmacy, but I don't I don't actually think of Amazon as wanting to change primary care. I think where you're gonna see that happen is probably some of the other tech-enabled healthcare services providers who are squarely focused, the teledocs of the world, perhaps the this new merger of grand rounds and doctor on demand, that are starting to try to merge their digital offerings with a digital first care
0: alternative. See, I think that Amazon and Walmart One is very interesting because what they have in common is they both go into a new uh, service line and say, I'm just going to do it much cheaper uh, and more conveniently than you would have thought possible before. A year ago, Amazon wouldn't have been able to have a credible digital first offering because the market wasn't there. Now people are used to it and you can actually do that, whereas people might actually be concerned about going into a Walmart. Now you raise the question of people like Teladoc and Lavongo. What's interesting there is that they, of course, go beyond uh, just the the the, the visual a uh, component of telehealth and they add things like uh, devices for remote monitoring. And I think it's one thing to say, gee, your, your doctor's visit is canceled and you can't come in. Let's do a video visit. It's another thing to say, we're never going to have that visit in person in the first place. Now you're going to need some devices, some of which you can do, of course, uh, just with your smartphone, but other things like standard kind of uh, products like blood pressure monitors, pulse oximeter, a scale, glucometer you can use, but then I think there's going to see some more innovative things like respiratory monitors, voice analysis, EEG, otoscope that you can use to check the eardrums. And if people have a bit of equipment like that at home, then I think it's wide open for maybe for a Teledoc, maybe for an Amazon, and maybe Walmart.com can get into the game too. I think all of this is in the back
1: with the backdrop that, you know, traditional healthcare kind of sucks. And, you know, the average mom with a sick kid Dad with a sick child just wants an answer. And if 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 I could buy a little some some, some basic equipment and do a vid, quick video chat, my kid spikes a, a temperature. That would be hugely helpful. If I could look at a, you know, show them a picture of a of a contusion and determine whether there's a you know bad bruise, whether there might be a break and it needs to go for an X ray, we could we could triage much more effectively. In the same way, a generation ago, you had different people kind of uh, pumping. Gas into your car, and th- that went that went away when the consumer realized it was a lot more efficient to just go and pump your own gas. I think the same thing is going to be true of telehealth and some of these these new this new equipment that you're talking about. Because in addition to where we are right now in terms of those those basic diagnostic pieces of equipment, they're getting cheaper and more robust and 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 more integrated into the digital world. So you'll be able to make those. You know, evaluate those situations and actually feed it back to the doctor, thereby taking some of the basic things that happen in a doctor's office. I know, look, if my eighty-eight-year-old mother had the ability, she'd much prefer to put some 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 simple piece of equipment on her, get the diagnostics, send them to the doctor, and have a video conversation rather than have to go schlep over to the doctor's office, wait for a while with a bunch of other sick people. I mean, th- this will be a big enhancement, and you've got not just the explosion of telehealth, but the emergence of a lot of low-cost, digitally integrated diagnostic tools that I think are going to be woven into the healthcare system.
0: John, this is healthcare, so we would be remiss without a conversation about reimbursement. And after all, the reason that the uh, use of telehealth went from 2% to 80% is a combination of necessity, people couldn't come into the doctor's office, but plus reimbursement, because all of a sudden it was on par and could be offered across state lines. Now, my inbox is filling with tons of emails now that the new HHS secretary has been confirmed. Everybody is congratulating him and saying, and by the way, here's what you should do about telemedicine reimbursement. How is that going, that jockeying?
1: I think what's, what's interesting about the reimbursement battle is you've got a couple of different things going on. You're going to see um, regul- state let regulators, like they did with mail-order pharmacy, threat to throw up blocks that you were talking about before. Um, you're going to see health insurance companies worry about the downside of making telemedicine too attractive and thereby getting more, <laughs> more visits virtually as well as in person. So they're probably going to put some restrictions. And you're going to have the providers start to worry about, well, for my you know 992 or th- f- f- forget which Basic eval code, you know, uh, EM codes that they get to charge for. Um, do they is it more efficient and higher margin to do it virtually? But all of that is a little bit of a a, will will be sorted out, uh, in the mosh of the politics and economics of healthcare. But effectively, if if the if the digital first front door becomes more efficient and effective, if it's easy for customers and patients, whether they're chronically ill or of an episodic need, uh, this will be emerging as a, a real competition for your friends in legacy healthcare institutions like hospitals. And, uh, you know, as, as Toby Cosgrove talked about in an earlier podcast, you know, they, they the Cleveland Clinic, found that they could do a better job At managing complex diabetics using a digital first alternative and managing more of that care at home. And it actually leveraged the hospital. I I think the the innovators are going to win, and the folks who
0: stand still or fight it are going to lose. John, it has become a truism that all healthcare is local. But with telehealth, that's not necessarily the case anymore. And I think that this uh, cross border example uh, is is very pertinent. And you see, uh, it raises a lot of questions. So we were talking about before uh, how the Betty Ford. Foundation, for example, is offering mental health services from its base in Minnesota to other states like Montana. That was great uh, during the pandemic. But now the providers in Montana are saying, hey, I don't like the competition. But of course, that's not how they frame it. They say Betty Ford is skimming the commercial patients that are well reimbursed and leaving the local providers with just the Medicaid population uh, where they don't make enough money, to make it uh, possible for them to see the, to see the patients. So this brings up a lot of interesting uh, questions. But I, I think
1: I think at the end of the day, what you're gonna see is that the virtual care providers, look at mental health where we've got so much more demand than we've actually got in inpatient resources, in person resources to support, whether it's across veterans or young children with or yo- younger folks with depression or women with postpartum, pick your category. Uh, people who are depressed during anxious because of the pandemic, folks who are suffering after a traumatic loss. We just do not have the resources to be able to slot everybody into an in-person meeting. But if you can expand the aperture and do much more virtually, you dramatically expand the capacity to serve. And I think this, this argument over reimbursement is a sideshow relative to the capacity expansion, simplicity and convenience of telehealth. I think what's going to be interesting is do the incumbent telehealth providers rapidly accelerate and innovate so that it's more than just an episodic kind of drive-by consult by the doc, and they turn it into one that's more integrated into in-person visits and is more substantive and they can show more value. I think if that's true, the fact that it costs probably less than half of of the cost of an in-person visit to provision um, that's where people are going to go because it is more convenient and you know patients want feedback and they want things that are simple and lower cost. I think the virtual virtual teams are going to win and the, and the and the reimbursement issues, which I'm sure that the folks are going to fight over is going to be a sideshow relative to the competition between a system that's not convenient and not integrated and one that is convenient and can be integrated not just into your care loop but digitally into your life.
0: Well, John, just like in the olden days when they had the circus, you know, some people liked us to be there in the, in the big tent and see the three rings. And some of us like to be out inside and see the sideshow or the, or the freak show. Yeah, I'll be with the freak show. You can go and sit in there. In any case, that's it for yet another edition of Care Talk. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And
1: I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of Care Centrics. And I have no idea where David and the circus ended up into this podcast. But in any case, if you liked it or not, please give us feedback and please subscribe.